Twitter is announcing a new policy to censor anyone who publishes conspiracy theories about anything, but specifically right now, anyone who publishes conspiracy theories about the coronavirus or the coronavirus vaccine. Obviously, of course, this is a wonderful thing because there is no reason in the world to be skeptical of the vaccine, which just happened to have been made in record time by lots of experts who squandered all their credibility back in March. There's no reason to be concerned at all. Uh, by the way, the vaccine is already being given to healthcare workers, like, for instance, this lovely nurse in Tennessee who took the vaccine and then was interviewed on television. Take a listen to why there's nothing to worry about. We are in the COVID unit, so therefore, you know, my team will be getting first chances to get the vaccine. And I know that um, it's really, I'm sorry, I'm feeling really dizzy. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, uh oh. That's, no, that's not good. And there she fits. And she is on the ground. Probably just a coincidence. Uh, nothing, nothing to she's completely out cold. Uh, uh, nothing to see here. Obviously, this had, how dare you suggest that this has anything to do with the vaccine? Do not post that video on Twitter. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from yesterday is from Cultural Cacistocracy, uh, who says 2020 turned Alex Jones from conspiracy theorist to prophet. <laughs> I had to say, the year has been pretty wild. And one thing, regardless, you know, putting aside uh, other things Alex Jones has said in his life, I always gave him credit because he's right about the frogs. You know, there was that clip where he said, they're turning the fricking frogs gay. And everyone would make fun of him for this. And it turns out of all the things Alex Jones ever said, that one might be the most correct. There was a study it was undertaken by the EPA in Yale in Connecticut that these chemicals in the water were actually, they, they weren't just turning the frogs gay, they were turning them hermaphroditic. So they were, they were transing the frogs. If anything, Alex Jones was too modest in his... <laughs> reporting on what they were doing to the frogs. Some of the other things, I think a little less credible, but uh, certainly on the frogs, he, uh, he totally got it. Who knows? It's very difficult to see things clearly in 2020. It's been such a strange year. If you want to see clearly though, for a really great price, I would go to coastal.com. At coastal.com, you can get prescription glasses starting at $9 with free shipping and 30 day risk-free returns. Plus, they have the most advanced virtual try-on technology that you will find anywhere. I was totally blown away by this. You go on the website, you can look at it on your phone too, and you see the glasses on you, but it's not just like a, a picture floating. You can turn your head, you can see how it looks when the glasses turn. It's really, really great stuff. Uh, you can turn your frames into sunglasses by testing out colored lens tints, or finally, see what a cat eye or aviator would really look like on your face right on your phone. Sometimes you wonder, could I really pull this off? I don't know. I get a little, I get a little flamboyant when it comes to my sunglasses. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you can too. Coastal has over 2000 frames to choose from and 24 hour customer support. We're talking about Newsweek's uh, America's best customer service. That's what they called it. Use your FSA benefits now before they run out. Now and for a limited time, they are offering our listeners the best deal 
that they have going anywhere. 50% off your first pair of glasses at coastal.com slash Michael. Get free shipping, 30-day risk-free returns, and 50-50% off at coastal.com slash Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, C-O-A-S-T-A-L.com slash Michael. Some restrictions may apply. I don't think I'm going to get that vaccine. It's not because I am against vaccines per se. It's not because I think that this vaccine is necessarily bad in and of itself. I'm just taking a little bit of a risk calculation here. I am healthy. I am young. My risk statistically from this virus is extraordinarily low. And so I'm probably not going to take it. I don't have hard evidence other than that poor lady passing out in Tennessee. She turns out she's fine. She's fine now, but she did pass out from it. Uh, I, I don't have any, you know, particular evidence that the the vaccine is evil or it's going to kill me or it's going to have serious side effects, but I, I don't really see the upside either. And I think a lot of people are going to be making that, that calculation. Uh, prudence. This is, a, this is a virtue we've been talking about a lot on this show the past week or two. Conservatives, you know, we understand that there's risk in everything in the world and we're going to use our common sense and common sense is lacking in a lot of rationalist political ideologies, but we should keep exercising it. As for that nurse, by the way, after she... <laughs> Talk about the worst PR moment ever that you could have for this vaccine. People are already pretty skeptical of it because the experts got everything wrong this year and because vaccines take years, if not decades to develop. And we got this vaccine in like six months. So she goes out, she goes, oh yeah, it's great. You know, it's cool. I got this vaccine. My whole team's going to get it. And woo, I'm feeling a little woozy. Her excuse is that uh, she passes out whenever she feels pain. And she says, it's common for me. Now, I, I don't, know that I necessarily believe this. First of all, because it's not like she was getting the vaccine in that moment. It's not like the needle was going into her in that moment. She feels the pain and she passes out. She clearly already had it earlier and then all of a sudden decided to faint or, you know, was, was overcome by this, this, uh, fainting. Also, if, if this nurse knew that she had this condition where when she gets a shot, she faints, why would they pick her to hold the press conference about how great the vaccine is? That seems at least incompetent. And if the healthcare apparatus is that incompetent, I'm a little skeptical of them, which I think, I think a lot of us are. Speaking of remaining uh, healthy and skeptical, keeping a healthy skepticism of all of these sorts of expert claims, there's a new study published in the Physics of Fluids scientific journal. Man, they have a magazine for everything, don't they? The Physics of Fluids journal shows that wearing a used mask is potentially riskier than wearing no mask at all. If only, if only a certain scientific expert had mentioned this uh, at the very beginning of this epidemic, uh, as I have done on this show <laughs> as much as I possibly can. Uh, look, I'm citing this study because this study backs up the point that I'm making. I don't really care about any of the studies because my argument against the masks is not scientific. My argument against the masks is political because the masks are a political symbol. They are not primarily a scientific or medical instrument. At the beginning of the epidemic, Dr. Fauci, who's been in his job for 50 years, said the masks are stupid during this sort of pandemic. Don't wear the masks. He said they'll make people feel a little bit better, but they don't do anything medically. Then he comes out five seconds later. He says, oh yeah, never mind. Forget about that. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yeah. Wear the masks. They're really important. You got to wear the masks all the time. And I thought, no, this, this is a highly politicized instrument now. 
whatever the medical effect of it, maybe it has some medical effect, maybe it doesn't. Obviously, the change in, in his tune is a political change in tune. But beyond that, I, that was just assuming you're always wearing a clean mask. And part of Fauci's original point before he contradicted himself was, even when you're putting a clean mask on, you're touching your face, you're near your mouth, you know, it, it's, you're not wearing it correctly, gives you a false sense of secu- security. So don't do it. It can actually be harmful. Now, add on top of that, the reality of how people wear these masks, which is they don't wash them every time they wear them. <laughs> they don't replace them every time they wear them. What do you do? You take, you have the mask and you put it in your pocket and you usually don't wear it. And then you got to go pick up takeout or something. You got to go into the grocery store. And so you put the, take it out of your pocket or your purse or you put it on your face. You probably haven't washed the thing in a week, more than a week, probably. If you're a guy, you probably haven't washed the thing ever since March or so, right? Obviously that mask is going to be carrying more germs than if you were just breathing in the fresh air like a normal person. Uh, This study, if you want to look it up, comes from University of Massachusetts Lowell and California Baptist University, shows that the three-layer surgical mask is 65% efficient in filtering particles in the air. However, once it's used, that effectiveness falls to 25%. And then when it's used for a very long time and grows all sorts of bacteria, uh, that is not a very good situation. We still hear many conservatives deferring to this liberal idea that we should follow the science. And follow the science is another slogan that means the same thing as, let's put politics aside for a second. You ever hear that? Usually you'll hear the same people who say follow the science and say, look, this isn't political. Put, let's put the politics aside. And as my friend Nan Hayworth points out, whenever someone tells you, let's put the politics aside, get ready to have your politics on deck. Because there is no more political statement in the world than let's put politics aside. Because what what people are saying, what they mean when they say that is, my political opinion is so necessary to society that it should be beyond the realm of debate. What they're really saying is put your politics aside and listen to me. I'm going to define my politics as science. And then because it's science, it's irrefutable. And you have to do exactly what I tell you to do. Science is not an exception to politics in public life. The whole whole point of this, that there's some aspect of public life that's totally outside of politics, it's just not true. Even science, even the most hard-nosed scientist will bend the knee to the social and political standards of his time. You see this clearly in the past few days in the New England Journal of Medicine. New England Journal of Medicine just posts this yesterday to the internet. Quote, sex designations on birth certificates offer no clinical utility and they can be harmful for intersex. It's like hermaphrodites, people where their uh, genitals are sort of ambiguous and transgender, transgender, you know, is when a man thinks he's a woman or vice versa, people. Moving such designations below the line of demarcation would not compromise the birth certificate's public health function but could avoid harm. And they posted this, this line from some of the MDs on the, on, from the New England Journal of Medicine. We believe that it is now time to update the practice of designating sex on birth certificates. Meaning that a very, very prominent medical scientific journal is throwing biology aside and acquiescing to gender theory. Gender theory, a very, very novel political ideology 
that has only come into the mainstream really in the last 20 years, if that, it sort of bu- started bubbling up in 60s really, but only in the last 20 years has it entered the mainstream. Science already acquiesces. But it's the science. This is actually why I sort of, I, I don't usually use the, the typical conservative arguments against transgenderism. The typical conservative arguments is look at the chromosomes. You know, men have a Y chromosome and women have two X chromosomes. And that's just a scientific fact. I, I sort of think when we invoke science, you know, as this thing outside of politics, we're actually kind of giving the left an important premise here because the, the left, because the left owns the established institutions, they will use science to pervert itself and to back up their political claims. Science now is totally embracing gender ideology. Expect more scientific journals to follow. What are, what are our arguments against this? What's the, the, the strong conservative argument? I mean, you can mention the chromosome. Sure, that's fine. You can mention genitals. That's fine. You can mention physical reality. But I think w- what we need to do is call out the philosophical basis of these things. For instance, the gender ideology rests on an ancient religious heresy. It's called Gnostic dualism, the idea that your true self has nothing to do with your physical body. This is a a heresy from the early, you know, third century, fourth century and fifth century. It really thrived. Then it came back again in the 11th century and sort of the middle ages with the Albigensian heresy. Now it's come back again with gender theory. It's hard, you know, there, there, there is a basis on which all of these sorts of things rely. And that either you're going to have the the traditional standards or you're going to have the politically correct standards, but you will have standards. And it's not just in science, it's corporate America too. Conservatives have made a big mistake over the past 30 or so years, which is that we've, we've actually shrunk the realm of politics. We've done what the left has suggested we do, where everything becomes political except for politics, which gets exported to a group of experts who run our lives for us. And We've said, okay, the government can't, the only threat that we ever have is from the government. Corporate America can can do whatever they want. The scientific establishment can do whatever they want. Big tech can do whatever they want. And guess what? If my rights are being restricted, if my traditions are being destroyed, if my country is being hollowed out by corporate America or, or big tech or some scientific establishment, I don't feel any better than if it were all being hollowed out by the government. And I think we need to take a broader view of politics here. You now have the the CEO of one of the most prominent and influential financial firms in the world now telling corporate America, if they don't get woke, if they don't go along with leftist politics, they're going to be destroyed. It's going to hit their bottom line. This is a time to protect not just our institutions, not just our culture, but also ourselves. And one great way to do that is with Axon tasers line of non-lethal self-protection devices. They are small. They're lightweight enough to carry with you or to put in your glove compartment or purse. They're also powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. What they do is they use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds. And this is the civilian issue one, by the way. The civilian issue one actually gives you longer time than the, the police issue one, because, you know, usually the cops have other kinds of tools at their disposal. They're a little more trained with the civilian taser. You just shoot it. 30 seconds gives you time to escape 
to safety and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. This is connected with Bluetooth. So you'll they'll call right to 911 and you'll get that emergency help. They also have laser assisted targeting. You can protect yourself and your family with Taser's line of smart self-defense products. This is a terrific product. One great thing, it's available without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at taser.com with promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Save 15% now at taser.com, promo code Knowles, T-A-S-E-R.com, promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Restrictions apply. See site for details. BlackRock's chairman, big, big financial firm, Larry Fink, says, quote, in 2020, we identified 244 companies that were making insufficient progress integrating climate risk into their businesses, into their business models or disclosures. Of these companies, we took voting action against 53 or 22%. We've put the remaining 191 companies on watch. Those that do not make significant progress risk voting action against management in 2021. If you don't get on the environmentalist agenda, which from the, from the beginning in the United States was a sort of incoherent scientific patina that was put over goals that the political left has had for a hundred years. If you don't get on board with that, you're, you're going to have your CEO voted out. You're going to have your company hit by extraordinarily influential financial firms. Just a little reminder of the environmentalist movement. We were told in the late 1960s and early 70s that overpopulation was a serious problem and that there would, it was inevitable that we would have mass starvation, famines, deaths within 10 to 20 years. It was Paul Ehrlich, a Stanford scientist who, who told us this, a f- very famous book, The Population Bomb. And so he said, we need a lot of abortion. We need a lot of contraception. We need to stop having kids. And if people don't do that voluntarily, maybe we're going to need to coerce people to do that. That turned out to be complete bunk. It was 100% false. That guy was, could not have been more wrong. But because he was backing up the left-wing political agenda, he's never faced any consequences. He, he was able to continue teaching at Stanford. He continued to receive extraordinarily prestigious prizes, even though the central thesis of this dude's whole career, a horrific thesis that caused untold misery. It led to, in many ways, the one-child policy in China. It led to uh, sterilization, horrific uh, abuses by the left-wing government in India, uh, abortion, that sort of thing. Uh, this guy never faced any consequences because he went with the left-wing agenda. Then in the 1970s, you had global cooling. You had not just newspapers, but significant scientific uh, institutions describing global cooling in the 1970s. So what do we got to do? We need to give the government more power. We need to stop moving. We need to stop reproducing. We need to stop all the things the left wants. Then it turns out global cooling didn't happen. Then we had global warming. Okay, what do we need to do for that? The exact same thing. All this, the same exact left-wing agenda. That's what we need. Then the warming stopped for, okay, well, now we need, it's climate change. So I don't know, it's, something's going to happen, you know, if, <laughs> if the sun's shining one day and it's raining the next, you got to stop having kids and you need to give the government more control over your stuff and you need to pay more taxes and you need to stop living your life. It's always the same agenda. It's not the same reasoning. Often it's opposite reasoning, but it's always the same agenda. And that's what the BlackRock, he's saying, look, I'm, we're not saying that you got to be political. You just got to get on board with the scientific environmentalism. And if you don't, by the way, and if you don't get on board with that agenda, which happens to coincide exactly with what the left has wanted since the early 20th century, at least, uh, we're going to destroy 
your company. A coherent conservative movement needs to stop that. A coherent conservative movement needs to stop giving technocrats in lab coats the authority to run our lives. A coherent conservative movement needs to assert its political freedom. Trump did a good job at exposing this. He continues to do a good job at exposing this. That's why they hate Trump. But they don't just hate Trump. That is the biggest lie of the Trump era. It's a bigger lie than the Russia hoax or the Ukraine hoax or what any of those things. The biggest lie of the Trump era is that the, the left has some special hatred for Donald Trump. They actually kind of like Donald Trump. Remember, Donald Trump was in their clubs and in their parties for decades. He was Hollywood royalty, a top network TV star. Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton came to his wedding. Good friends with Oprah. He was totally in it. He was in rap songs all the time. Then he comes out and he runs as a Republican and they say he's literally Hitler. Because they, it's not just about him. They hate you. It's you. It's not him. It was the best moment of his 2020 campaign. It was when he tweeted out that picture and he said, they're not coming for me. They're coming for you. And I happen to be in the way. It's not, they don't think he's a Nazi. They think you're a Nazi. They don't think he's a racist. They think you're a racist. They don't think he's going to destroy the country and he should be in prison. They think you're going to destroy the country and probably you should be in prison too. They have talked, they've talked about these enemy lists. They've talked about the Truth and Reconciliation Commissions, re-education. They call you deplorable. They call you irredeemable. They call you bitter clingers. That was Obama's term or Obama's concept rather. You had a, an expert, one of these geniuses on MSNBC comes out and mentioned that the next guy is going to be just as bad as Trump. He might talk a little better. He might sound a little better, but the GOP wants another literally Hitler in 2024. They are not going to be muted. We're going to hear them loudly uh, express that hypocrisy and act on that hypocrisy going forward because all they're looking for now is a slightly more civilized Donald Trump. That's why they think things are still going fine for the party because they look at the House results, they look at the Senate results and say, we're doing fine mm -hmm. if we can just get a Donald Trump who's not quite so, not quite such a thug, not quite so unpalatable to so many people, we can find a, a more, another white grievance, racist, uh, sexist, all of those things. We find another candidate like that, but one who doesn't have quite the rough edges will be in shape. That's what the Republican Party is heading for uh, and that what their goal is as they head towards 2024. That's, that's what they're going for. Guaranteed. No question. And you have, this is, uh, I don't even know this guy's name, nor do I particularly care to. He's on MSNBC with the MSNBC host and with Tim Miller, who's an ex-Republican. He was Jeb Bush's spokesman. One of uh, the most vile slanderers in uh, politics, right? I mean, absolutely, you know, everybody who disagrees with him, anybody who disagrees with the liberal left is a Nazi and a white supremacist. You hear this from ex-Republicans. It's not just the radical left. It's guys who worked for Jeb Bush, for goodness sakes. This, this sort of thing is going to amp up. And I think we're all going to, we're all going to feel a little, if we don't already feel some sympathy or, or empathy for President Trump, we certainly will in 2024 when we find out this wasn't about him at all. And we need to oppose this. We need to fight back against this, not just in this very narrow way of shrinking parts of the government or lowering taxes or something like that. 
It's a whole blob. It's a whole sort of conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy in the sense that it's not even really conscious. It's not like three men in a smoke-filled room saying, here's how we're going to plot to destroy the deplorable, irredeemable, patriotic Americans. It's just this whole edifice, which comprises the universities, certainly, the media, obviously, Hollywood, sure, even the scientific establishment, which is now saying that men can become women based on nothing other than some faddish ideology, that sort of thing. We have to push back against the whole edifice. And if we don't do that, it's going to gobble us right up. Even there's a Biden's campaign manager, who's probably going to be his deputy chief of staff. Even she, she is, her job is to go out there and sell Joe Biden's fake unity healing message that he's now pretending to be pushing. Joe Biden, a very divisive figure who said that Mitt Romney wanted to re-enslave black people in America. Uh, Joe Biden, who just lies and I mean, it's told really awful lies in his life. Now he's saying we need unity and healing. And his campaign manager, <laughs> a Jen, Jen O'Malley Dillon says, uh, yeah, I want to work with Republicans. I'm not saying they're not a bunch of effers. You know, Mitch McConnell's terrible. But from start to finish, Biden set out with this idea that unity was possible, that together we're stronger, that we as a country need healing and our politics needs that too. Yeah, yeah, effers. Yeah, you're going to heal. Oh, we're going to make you heal. You're going to heal whether you like it or not. Uh, not exactly practicing what she preaches. They never do that though. You'd always see this uh, in, on social media or people get letters about this or even people on TV. They say, Trump is literally Hitler. He's a Nazi. He's awful. We need to have 70 million Nazis in this country. We need to beat them just like we beat Hitler. Antifa's good. I hope Antifa punches all these guys in the face because love Trump's hate. Huh? Hold on. It's love Trump. Yeah, love Trump's hate. And the, in order to, for love to trump hate, we need to kill all the hateful people. Mm, I think you've got a flaw somewhere in your logic. They're not wishing us well, that's for sure. If you're concerned about men's wellness, though, you should go to forhims.com. If you need help with ED, hair loss, or if you have a cold, if you are interested in mental health or COVID-19 home tests, HIMS is here for you. Through HIMS, you can get the prescription medication that treats ED, real science, real solutions to ED. You get the same active ingredient as that expensive little blue pill, but without the expensive price tag. No embarrassing conversations. I know men exactly don't want to talk about that sort of thing, uh, but this is a great discreet way to do it. No expensive appointments. Just answer a few questions online about your medical history and a provider will confidentially review. If approved, your medication is shipped directly to your door in discreet packaging and shipping is free. Try HIMS today. By starting out with a free online visit, go to forhims.com slash Michael for your free visit. That is forhims.com slash Michael, F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com slash M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Prescription products are subject to medical provider approval and require an online consultation with a medical provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. See the website for full details and safety information. Remember that is forhims.com slash Michael. AOC then comes in after after Joe Biden's uh, campaign manager and likely deputy uh, chief of staff calls Republicans a bunch of effers, AOC comes in to double down on that, but also in classic AOC fashion to make it all about her. 
So Marco Rubio came out. He said, Biden talks about unity and healing, but you want to know what they really think. Read how the person he wants as the next White House deputy chief of staff called Republicans in Congress a bunch of effers. AOC responds, Marco Rubio, you stood by in total silence when your GOP colleague called a congresswoman an effing B on the Capitol steps in front of press. Apparently some congressman insulted AOC. He denied it and, and she's a liar, so I don't believe her. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but I certainly don't take her at her word. Uh, you weren't big enough to speak then and you don't get to sob now. By the way, that is the right word for those who fleece and scam working families. You got to give the gal credit. She makes every single thing about her. Obama was very good at this. I hope that doesn't mean AOC is going to become president. Obama, come, he graduates from law school. He's done nothing in his entire life. He's accomplished nothing in the professional world and the political world. He's just, all he's really done is gone through school and he writes a book about his absolute favorite subject himself. Then he writes another book. Do you know what that book is about? Give you a hint. It's his favorite subject himself. Then he's president, you know, and he leaves the presidency and he writes, he's now written two books about himself. He then gets a book deal and he writes a 750 page book about do you know? Can you guess? Himself. <laughs> all the things he, all the details he left out of the first 600 pages about himself, he was able to fit in to the next 750 pages. And that's what AOC does. AOC, who is really bad for the country. She is a stain on American public life. She is like a, a, a festering wound on American public life, ripping up, uh, uh, real issues that America's had, also ripping up completely imaginary issues that America's had. Everything is sort of contemptuous of the country. But she's, she's not the only person who does this. The reason she does it is because it gives her a lot of attention. And there are some Republicans who've done that too. But, you know, nar narcissism is an occupational hazard of politics. AOC does it in particular. And the way she does it is focus on all these grievances. Everything is about how she's been wronged. This is a, what, 30-year-old bartender with absolutely no qualification to be in Congress other than her age. And she gets this great cushy job and, and a significant amount of influence. And she's still complaining. Imagine that. Imagine still complaining about that. But it's always about grievance. And so, for instance, if, if Biden does become president, uh, he's now going to appoint a Native American cabinet secretary, Representative Debbie Holland, to lead the Department of the Interior. Okay, that's fine. I don't know anything about Deb Holland. Maybe she's fine. Probably she's not if she's going to be a Biden pick, but that's fine. They're not talking about her qualifications to lead this department. They're not talking about her experience to lead this department. They're talking about how she's Native American and how this is historic. Because, you know, we've never had Native Americans in the government or anything. Except that we've actually already had not just a Native American cabinet secretary, we've had a Native American vice president, and we had him as vice president 91 years ago. The 31st vice president of the United States, 1929 to 1933. First person of color, to use the popular phrase, and first Native American to be vice president, Charles Curtis under Herbert Hoover. was a Republican. By the way, it's not like he was one 32nd Native American or something. The guy had membership in a Native American nation. The guy looked extremely Native American. He did it. 
if, if you're interested in that sort of historic breakthrough, he did it. He was the guy who did it, completely written out of history because the left controls the history books. And so you're, you're not going to hear about that guy. Maybe occasionally on some conservative talk show or in a conservative book, you'll hear a mention of it. You won't hear it anywhere else. They did this with Pete Buttigieg. They just did, Pete Buttigieg is going to be the, the head of the Department of Transportation. Why? I don't, does Pete Buttigieg know anything about transportation? No, probably not. Doesn't matter. It's historic. Pete Buttigieg, according to the media, he's the first openly gay cabinet secretary, except he's not. We just had the first openly gay cabinet secretary. His name was Rick Grinnell under Donald Trump. That happened like five minutes ago. It's been completely written out already. That, that is a conspiracy, <laughs> not necessarily a conscious one. It's sort of reflexive, I think, for the left that they have their narrative and they're sticking to it, whether reality backs it up or not. The media certainly aren't going to correct them. You want to see the kind of hard-hitting journalism we have? So, you know, the Washington Post has been trying to overthrow the 2016 election since before it occurred. Well, now that they think Biden's got it, certainly he's in, it's done deal. Here's the kind of hard-hitting journalism you can expect from the Washington Post. Pete Buttigieg is right. Airports are romantic. That's the headline. That's, I'm not, I'm not going to read this article. I see no reason to read this article. It is, I did once get pretty romantic with my TSA agent going up the right leg. I, it was, I, at least I felt it was romantic. I don't know if, if he felt that way as well. Uh, historic. It was an historic uh, airport security line. Uh, you're not going to get any kind of uh, serious journalism here. Okay. And you're not going to get it on big tech either. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know, Kareem Abdul, he was the basketball star, and then he was in Airplane, which is my, that's really where I in, enjoyed his, his work. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is now saying that big tech should censor conservatives, and even people who aren't woke, just kind of run-of-the-mill liberals. He says they need to do it because the conservatives are tweeting irrational and harmful opinions to millions. And what's funny, his reasoning here is many Americans imbue stars with political and social intelligence they just don't have. It doesn't help to be surrounded by fawning people whose job it is to agree with everything you say. And, uh, you know, it's irresponsible and then they've got to be uh, censored. Says Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a basketball player, a very famous basketball player and guy who was in some movies. And specifically he was saying that John Voight should be kicked off big tech and uh, James Woods should as well. Two of the only outspoken conservatives in all of Hollywood. Those guys are going to come after you too. It is not conspiracy theory thinking to say that we need to be skeptical of these established institutions, the government institutions, and even the institutions outside of the government. It's a, the only conspiracy theory is that those institutions are not political. <laughs> that, that is a truly a crazy conspiracy theory. There is a, I guess you could use the word conspiracy. It's not really a conspiracy. It's just an establishment. It's an established standard across all of these different sectors, all of which are hell-bent on shutting up conservatives, making sure we don't have a voice. You're not going to get that unity and healing, assuming Joe Biden gets it January 20th. You are going to get a vindictive response, revenge. And if conservatives don't prepare for that now, and if we're not prepared to fight on every front of that, not just the governmental front, but also 
in commercial life, also in educational life, also in technology. If you're not prepared to fight on all those fronts, we don't stand a chance. Speaking of technology and science, on Monday, December 21st, the historical docuseries, Apollo 11, What We Saw, will be available exclusively at dailywire.com. The docuseries takes a detailed look at the Apollo 11 mission to land a man on the moon. Apollo 11, What We Saw is a fantastic series to watch with your loved ones over the Christmas break. Get it for 20% off with code WATCH when you become an insider or above member over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. That is dailywire.com slash subscribe. Get 20% off your membership with code WATCH and access all of our new and existing content. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with the mailbag. I'm always running late on the mailbag, but I will fly through this and get to as many questions as I can. From Jenny, I know it's a long shot, but let's pretend that on January 6th, the miracle occurs and President Trump gets four more years. What do you think will be the ramifications of that? I believe President Trump has done great things and deserves four more years, but I fear the violence that will surely come from the left. Do you think, assuming this miraculous intervention takes place, that the country will be better or worse for it? I love all your shows and can't wait to see what the future holds for The Daily Wire. Take care. Thank you very much. I think it would be great if President Trump got another four years, and I think it will be bad if he doesn't. And I understand the argument here. According to some scuttlebutt rumors, gossip columns, this is what the Supreme Court was talking about. They said, there are going to be riots, you know, if we give it to Trump. I don't know whether that, I, I usually don't believe gossip that comes out of the court because it comes from, from staffers who are, if they're leaking this stuff, by definition, they're kind of unreliable. But I, I don't buy into this argument that because the left is threatening us with violence, we should give them what they want. That's called appeasement. That's called surrender. That's called cowardice. I'm, I'm not giving into that at all. I don't care. I'm, I'm not going to let a bunch of bullies destroy my country because I'm afraid of them. No chance. If there were any way that Trump could get four more years legally, and not, he shouldn't do it illegally, but if there were a legal way to do it, I would be all for it. And I don't care what kind of temper tantrum the left would have. I don't care if they would try to burn down cities. If they tried to commit crimes, we could arrest them and put them in prison. I, I, I'm, I am not going to uh, have some leftist walk into, my, walk into my business and say, it's a nice pizza shop you got here. Sure would be a shame if something happened to it. No, thank you, sir. Not, not a chance. From Nicholas. Dear austere religious podcaster, Dr. Michael Knowles, thank you for using my title. I have been watching all the Daily Wire shows for years now. One of the most interesting discussions I've seen is on pornography. I have a couple questions. One is someone who struggled with pornography for most of my life. What is the best way to get away from it? It's had a tremendous negative impact on my life, and I frankly don't know what to do other than give in. How can we, uh, two, how can we as conservatives best advocate for the removal of porn from mainstream society? Sincerely, asking for a friend. <laughs> Good way to put it. I think you're asking for a lot of friends. This is true for a, a huge number. I mean, the vast, vast majority of, of men in this country have struggled with this. They always say what they say, what it's 93% have looked at internet porn and 7% are liars is the line for men. I don't know. Maybe women are more moral than men, but it's a, it's a scourge obviously. And it's, it's also just categorically different than in the old days when you had to go to some seedy part of town and buy some pictures or a, or a magazine. Now it comes zapped right into your phone from anywhere. It's extraordinarily uh, high speed. You know, there's a zillion different movies and videos, even though Pornhub apparently just kicked off half their videos. So it's, it's a, you know, probably the defining sort of fleshy temptation of the age, but for sure. 
How can you avoid it? Well, uh, it's, it's when, once you're hooked, it's much like any vice. Once you're hooked, it's, it's harder to get at it, but like drinking, you know, it's easier to uh, control your drinking if you're not already an alcoholic. If you are an alcoholic, it's going to be a little harder, but look, everybody deals with various temptations and addictions and things like that. So one way to do it is uh, there's a Catholic concept and I think probably other denominations have this concept too, which is the near occasion of sin. The idea that there's sin, you know, you, you're looking at the porn or whatever, you're I don't know, you're stealing things or you're coveting your neighbor's ox or whatever the sin is. And uh, so that's a sin in and of itself. But if you put yourself in a situation where you are more likely to give into that temptation, then you are culpable for that too. The near, the near occasion of sin is something you need to keep yourself away from. Don't, don't put yourself in a place where you could be tempted. So some ways to do that. I don't know. I mean, there are, I was talking to, I think it was Matt Frad, the Catholic podcaster has written extensively about this. Uh, you can, uh, you know, put different blockers and things on your computer. You can make sure that you're not, you don't find yourself in situations where you're looking at the porn a lot. Uh, you should go to confession. You should, uh, make sure that you try to practice the other virtues and you should recognize like any, you know, if you were going to AA, you would, in talking about alcohol, you would, you would recognize this too, that you're going to stumble and, you know, if let's say you're looking at porn every day or, or more than every day, even. Let's, but let's say you're looking at it every day and then you find yourself and you, you are able to look at it, I don't know, a couple times a week or something. And then you're able to look at it once a week and then you're able to look at it once a month and you're able, you know, th- that's something. I mean, that's progress. Maybe it'd be better to go cold turkey, you know, uh, but I think the comparison here to alcoholism is important and the recognition that if you stumble, all, all sin and fall short of the glory of God, but you got to keep working at it. You know, sometimes occasionally uh, people will introduce me. If I'm speaking at a Catholic event, they'll say, Michael's a devout Catholic. And I always kind of pull away from that, not because I have any doubts about the Catholic faith, but because I prefer the term practicing Catholic. Because you, you, the idea of practicing Catholic is you're doing it and you're going to keep on practicing until you get it right. And this is true outside of even just a strictly religious realm of the virtues. You're going to keep on practicing the virtues, even put porn aside for a second. Or I'm sure there are a lot of virtues that we all fall short in. And if you just keep practicing them, you will get better at them. You won't, you won't be perfect because it's a fallen world, but you, you actually will get better at them. You can get better. And uh, so I would just encourage you in that. Encourage means to take heart from the, from core, right? So just take heart, have, have courage when you stumble, get back up and keep trying again. Uh, Best of luck. I know a lot of people are struggling with that. So, you know, pray about it too and just keep, keep, keep the faith and keep working. From Father Greg. How about that? I'm a Catholic priest writing you from the frozen land to the north known as Canada, which I lovingly call America's hat. Recently, our premier declared that churches are only allowed 30 people regardless of size, while businesses are allowed 50% capacity. Moreover, the restriction on churches is effective immediately whereas the restrictions on businesses don't come into effect till December 25th. Here is my question. Is it time we reconsider this whole selling of indulgences thing? (laughs) Uh, Perhaps we gave it up too quickly. Johann Tetzel had some problems with mismanagement, but the underlying business model strikes me as sound. Moreover, I've already spoken to several of my Protestant friends who are warm to the idea if it means they could go to church. Wouldn't that be the perfect ending to 2020? Catholics and Protestants coming together around indulgences. Let me know what you think in Christ, Father Greg. An excellent point you raise, Father. It had not occurred to me, but it's an excellent point. Frankly, 
I don't really have much of an issue with the sale of indulgences generally. I think this is, you know, as, as I suspect you know as well, this is a very misrepresented topic and in a very, very exaggerated topic. And I don't think that, uh, I think indulg- indulgences obviously are, are still exist as they should. And I, I think giving alms is a very good thing. And I, I think those things go well together. Uh, but beyond that, even just from a purely political standpoint, it would be delightful. It would be, it would be one of the, the wonderful, joy, joyous turns of providence if uh, the sale of indulgences could bring the Catholic and Protestant, uh, Protestants back together. Because in our day and age, the, the secular religion that we all have, the secular religion of liberalism, uh, understands that only commerce is, is uh, the, the protected activity. That's the liturgy that we have to protect. All these silly things like going to church, you know, or going to synagogue, that, that's crazy. You don't need to do any of that. You just got to go buy more stuff. Well, okay. Two can play at that game. Very, very wise idea, Father Greg. From Tyler, I'll do one more. I am a 16-year-old Canadian boy, lots of Canadians today, and I need your advice on a situation that is happening in my life at the moment. At my school, I am openly conservative. I have worn my red Trump hat to school many times. I was notified by the vice principal that my hat offended a student. So our school was not a safe space anymore. (laughs) Oh my gosh, man, I'm so glad I'm not a kid. It would be, it was crazy enough when I was a kid, but now, goodness gracious. Since I was not allowed to wear my red MAGA hat, I went onto Amazon and bought a black MAGA hat (laughs) because I wanted to continue to express my conservative opinion and have meaningful discussions about politics with my peers. I had my black MAGA hat taken away because it was also offensive. When I retrieved it at the end of the day, I was told that I would be suspended if I wore another Trump hat or anything like that to school again. I asked why my political speech was not allowed, but the gay pride flag was. And she said that I am not a marginalized group. I'm a straight white male. Oh, you're, you're the worst. You're the oppressor. She said that the LGBT groups were not political. Ah, there it is but they are only supporting equal rights for marginalized people. I want to continue to be openly conservative, but I do not want to be suspended. What should I do? Well, you're in a tricky spot because your, your school administrator is obviously extremely stupid and ignorant and, and doesn't even understand the words that are coming out of her mouth. So when she says this political symbol is not political because it's only about equality and rights, I say, well, one response you could have is, I'm, I'm pretty sure equality and rights are uh, political subjects. <laughs> I think this is written about in uh, the Declaration of Independence, for instance. All men are created equal and they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That's obviously a political sort of statement. But, but what it comes from is this, this very narrow understanding of politics, which the left and the right have both acquiesced to, both agree, really the, right, the left forced it on us and the right acquiesced and agreed to it, which is what politics means most basically is public life, how we all get along together. That's what Aristotle's talking about in Aristotle's politics, you know, wrote a whole book on the subject. And this is how we've understood politics for most of our civilization's history. Then in recent years, and really you see this ramp up during the sixties, the left comes in and says, everything is political now. So it used to be, you know, you had public life and that was all political, but you know, the way that you lived with your family, that was sort of private or the way that you, the Nike shoes, the the sneakers that you bought were, those were private choices. That's not a political choice, right? It doesn't really affect anything. 
that Nike comes in recently and makes it a very political choice. But everything became political. The kind of coffee you drink becomes political. The kind of uh, movies you go see become political. Everything becomes political in the sense of partisan, ideological. Your relationship to your wife becomes very political. I mean, the, the feminists in the 70s said the personal is the political. But the irony of this was that the political life became depoliticized. All the things that you really should be able to debate, the definition of marriage, uh, the laws that we have surrounding abortion, you know, killing babies, uh, all these sorts of things, the death penalty, they were taken out of politics. So we, we could no longer debate those things. We just had experts tell us what to do. Whether you're going to wear a mask all the time and cover your face up for over a year in public, that became not, no longer is that a political question. And the right, really led by libertarians, acquiesced to this. They said, yeah, that's true. We just have to shrink the government, not let the government do anything. And the government now is going to be what we talk about instead of politics more broadly. And that's, that's going to be that. Well, look at the effect of this. I think you need to tell your teacher or administrator or whatever that politics is much bigger than this, that you are, uh, you are by definition a marginalized group because you're expressing a political opinion that is quite mainstream, right? So mainstream that the originator of that opinion is the president of the United States, that you're, you're expressing that opinion and you're being threatened with suspension and you're the most marginalized group in the entire school. She'll still probably suspend you because that's the political regime that we're living in now and Canada is to the left of America. You can at least make your case. You might get suspended though. They might force you not to wear the hat. And as long as you're a student, you're, you're going to have to deal with that. I mean, that, that's the sort of prudential and practical reality of it. But I think if in the meantime, you could teach your teacher something, that would be very helpful. You know, we've had a big debate over whether Jill Biden's a doctor or not, because she has this kind of administrative credential from a university that has a building named after her husband. And, uh, you know, is she really a doctor? Well, she's not a PhD and she's not an MD. And, but she, and I've said, you know, doctors are people who teach people. So you, you can be a doctor. My young doctor friend in Canada, please teach your teacher. We'll all have a lot of teaching to do. And unfortunately, it sounds like the left does not want to listen. But we can all listen to one another again on Monday. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you then. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva and production assistant McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm-hmm.